listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Hi, welcome to a new episode, recording this on a Sunday. I hope you're staying safe out there, obviously, with all this uh, coronavirus stuff going on. Do your part. Stay at home. I know it's difficult on everyone, but uh, we got to get through this, obviously, together at this point. Uh, Don't forget, this is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Joining me today on the podcast, all the way from Israel, Iran Soraka. Iran, how you doing, my man? I'm fine, Jess. How are you, man? Oh, well, you know what? I think under the circumstances, we're doing as best as <laughs> yeah. trying to stay inside at, at all times. So I'll start off with this, man. How, how are things over there in Israel? Um, pretty crazy and not as well, not as much as the USA, which turns to be like the worst in the world right now. But, uh, you know, dozens of people died and the thousands of them are like sick. I think one in 1,000 Israelis now contracted the coronavirus. So that's pretty crazy. But um you know, everybody's trying to take care of his backyard and we're basically trying to stay home. My wife is an essential worker. She's working in the university and um, they, they are setting up all the um, online learning. So uh, I'm just with the kids at home and uh, trying to take, care of, to take care of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's uh, it's definitely a crazy time, obviously, with the NBA being shut down, like like basically every other major sports league. Uh, it's it's a, it's a wild time, but we had some NBA news come out, especially uh, concerning the Lakers, that Kobe Bryant getting into the Hall of Fame, not a surprise. I mean, we all knew he was going to get in right away. Uh, Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, Tamika Catchings, among the people getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you had a chance to see Vanessa Bryant's video yesterday. Uh, she came out and spoke of it and said that this is basically the peak of Kobe's the career. Peak. Yeah, and how, how unfortunate it is that, that you know, he, he's obviously not around for it. But uh, I want to get into Kobe specifically. When you look at his impact globally, and, and you cover the NBA, you've, you've been working in journalism for, for a long time as well. Uh, looking at it from your perspective, you look at it from a global scale, what did Kobe mean and, and how big was he in, in Israel specifically? Uh, okay, so I'm like a journalist for more than 20 years and when the news of Kobe's death broke out, the initial, the initial thought was, what the hell? Then it must be fake. Then holy freaking shh. I have the honor uh, to work for the Israeli sports channel that have a great wide gallery of basketball personas. And so we went on air um, almost immediately, like an hour after that, um, for a special 45 minutes long news broadcast, followed by a two hour long special broadcast about him with six other guys just talking Kobe. Actually, Israeli media is used to this kind of long, endless broadcasting, but mostly it's for national crisis or for a terrorist attack. I don't know uh, if there's a lot of sports personalities that will make a channel ditch all the previous content and just go with this format. But Kobe was definitely one of them. Yeah, when when you look at when when you look at what he meant, and I mean, you know, getting getting into the Hall of Fame, like like I said, I mean, I think we knew that was going to happen for for quite some time. Um, you know, you look at you look at when when he was a player, and he um, you know he he was at the top of his game. I mean, you know, winning the three championships with, with the with the Shaq and Kobe teams uh, at the early part, you know, two thousand through two thousand two, and you and you look at you know what he did again in in uh, two thousand nine and two thousand ten. 
um, when he was at the top of his game, what, what are people like there in terms of fans? Are the Lakers a huge team there in, in, in Israel as well? I think that the Lakers are the most uh, have the most fans in Israel as well. Maybe with the Chicago Bulls because of their 90s and Jordan, but they mostly, for example, we have a weekly NBA magazine we had until the <laughs> hiatus, and the three of the five guys who are in charge uh, are Lakers fans, that including me. So uh, I think I, I don't think that 60% of the fans in Israel are Lakers, but I think like maybe Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls, maybe not surprisingly, are the teams with the most fans um, and yeah the NBA is big in Israel it started like uh, exploding on two events first of all when Omri Kaspi got into the league in the draft of 2009 and uh, when David Blatt started coaching the Cavaliers and like a week after not a few weeks after that with knowing that he's gonna coach LeBron freaking James uh, this was like a highest highest point maybe of the NBA interest in Israel but since then since the NBA is resonating very well with the Israeli league with the social media which is very strong in Israel and this is one of the most popular leagues not only in Israel basically all over the world uh, as Adam Silva said 99% of the of the fans aren't being in the games uh, so in Israel yeah the NBA is like Maybe with the Champions League, I think maybe in the Israeli uh, gambling, online gambling, uh, the NBA maybe is number one or number two with the UEFA Champions League. But yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see that too. I mean, and, and, and David Stern did a, did a great job of that when he was the commissioner, um, you know, leading, making the NBA into a, into a global sport. And so it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been growing and growing and growing. That's one thing that he, he wanted to look at. I mean, look at the boom that they had even in China. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as well, when you're, when you're looking at this, I mean, and, and even with the NBA, we don't know when it's going to return. I mean, at this point, and, and obviously this is for the greater good that we, we don't know when, when the games are going to be played and the, and the league is floating around, uh, several different ideas in terms of, okay, should we maybe do uh, a play in tournament? Are we going to finish out the, the, every regular season game? We don't, we don't know, uh, for you, for you personally, what do you think the best case scenario is for the NBA? Do you think that they should play out the rest of the games or, uh, look at doing something like one of those tournaments that that uh, Woj and 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 Zach Lowe have been have been reporting on. Uh, look, Jess, I I don't think they can do it because if they if if they want to play out the rest of the regular season, they will get into August and September, and it will affect also the next season. So, my uh, actually, I had a column about this, which like. This is the best time for the NBA. I called it silver lining <clears throat> because of Adam Silver. This is the best time for them to try everything, like to throw every stuff they even imagined, uh, like to start the NBA now, <clears throat> if they can do it like in Vegas, uh, in two regions of Vegas, like to do a plain, a plain tournament of the last eight teams in every conference as the standings are now and then for example in the west you will have John Morant versus Steph Curry in the first round and maybe John Morant against Damian Lillard or Zion Williamson in the other rounds it, like playing for one playoff ticket and in the east as well you know we have the, the magic and the we have some teams that didn't have the, the best season. But if you see a team like the Cavaliers that started coming along under bigger stuff, and maybe they have a chance to uh, take the playoffs. So you will have one team qualifying from each tournament, and then you will be able to do like best of three in the first round, best of five in the second and third round, and then to do uh, the, the final series. Uh, it 
can all be squeezed into two months, I think, if you take the regular formats of the series, even if you tweak them, and then like you, some days after the finals, have the draft and the free agency starting the same day, maybe even the same hours. Uh, I know that Wodge will be freaking out because he will be have to multi, be multiplied by three. <laughs> but uh, I think if the NBA have like, uh, I know Mark Cuban said that he's taking the under and uh, he's aiming for the um, mid-May, but I don't think that's a realistic uh, scenario with the things that are going down in the USA. So maybe if they can get to the end of June with some training camp and like having all the players in the bubble of Las Vegas, they're getting checked twice, when getting in and when getting out to the games and then not on the expense of the coronavirus test for the American public. Uh, so you, you will have like a fantasy land. You will be able to fulfill everything to make it more exciting, more appealing to the younger audience and people will be hungry for basketball. So they will accept anything for the name of excitement, for the name of getting their loved game back. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think you know what, what we're looking at right now too, and um, you know, this is it's it's at this point we'll take anything. I mean, I, I, yeah. I admit I wasn't a fan of watching the NBA 2K tournament. Like I watched some some of the games, and I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. this is kind of weird and, and and kind of boring. But I mean, hey, at the same time, like I said, at least it was giving us some, uh, giving us a little bit of of entertainment at that point. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they handle this stuff because for me, I'm looking at it. I think the best case scenario and especially for the Western Conference teams. I mean, in the East, the playoffs are pretty much well set. I don't think Washington or Charlotte are going to catch Orlando for that yeah. or Brooklyn for the 7-8 spot. But when you're looking at the, at the West, I mean, the Lakers <laughs> firmly entrenched as, as the number one seed. Um, you know, you've got, you got Memphis there as the eight seed, and then you've got Portland, New Orleans, uh, Sacramento, San Antonio, all kind of right there within uh, three and a half, four games. So I, I think those teams are going to have a, um, a bit of an issue if they look at it and say, hey, Let's, um, you know, let, let's just cut it down, you know, play five more games and, and whatever will go into the playoffs. And like you mentioned, do a best of three or a best of five in the mm -hmm. in the first round. But I, I do think that ultimately, if they're going to come back, I think they should try and finish out the regular season and then delay the start of next season, maybe until late November or December. Because, I mean, you still got to go through free agency. You still got to have the NBA draft. You got you to have all that going on. And, and the, you know, and, and you look at it. Usually the offseason is mainly for, for players to kind of get the rest and, and, and hit the reset button. But, I mean, they're going to be off for, for two or three months. And, and I'm looking at this and saying, okay, I don't, I don't think this is going to get going again until maybe July at the earliest. And I think I'm being optimistic with that, too. I think we're still looking mm -hmm. at at least April and May where, um, you know, people are going to be stuck at home and, and, and quarantining for the meantime. And then you look at even if you want to come back, these guys are going to need a couple of weeks to have a mini training camp. Uh, get back into shape, get back into their into their routines, and and so I mean ultimately when you're looking at it like that, uh, I, I do think that the league should go with uh, having having the the rest of the regular season because it impacts so many different teams and and, and so many different scenarios. Um, when you're looking at it there, how are the fans handling the lack of basketball there? Are are people kind of coping with it okay? Because the Premier League came out today and said that they're hoping they can start in June, but it'll be without fans. Yeah, I, I don't. For, the fans are less an issue in Israel for for sure because uh, there's you know I think that maybe uh, with all the virtual reality stuff you can have like the effects of uh, of crowd in the stand and maybe even take another um, ang angles of the camera to show um, angles that aren't like dependent on the the fans 
to be relevant you know maybe to see it from the standpoint of from the viewpoint of a player maybe to see uh, like in um, the 2k when you see behind the basket they will they have so much technological opportunities these days that uh, I think that they will get over it uh, but the playing without fans is is better than not playing at all and I think that uh, in the, in the beginning there were like discussions if there's no fans there's no sports but then you can see that okay even without fans there were football games and there were awesome football games like the Atalanta Valencia game in the UEFA Champions League so it it's better to have any kind of sports being played even if with no fans um also the fans are in the United States are great and in the NBA they're great but you know in Europe and in Israel people are getting used to more passionate fans you know not only the kiss cam and the defense defense clap your hands like people are really coming to scream and to shout and to have like organized uh, songs for the teams so the fans in Israel and in Europe probably in European basketball uh, are much more they're different from the ones in the NBA so I think that even the NBA without fans will still be great, great sports for everybody to see in America, in Canada, in Israel, uh, all around the world. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, you know what? It, it's 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 going to be. We, we don't even know what's going to happen after all, all yeah. this stuff, and it's going to be it's going to be a crazy follow from all this. But I mean, like I said, as long as we're doing our part, hopefully. Uh, trying to stop the spread of the disease, then then things will get better. Uh, Ron, I want to jump into a couple more things. We'll do that after a short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, Ron, getting back to to Kobe Bryant, and mm-hmm. um, you know when when obviously we had we had the the day of his passing back in in January. Uh, for you being a Lakers guy and a Lakers fan and, and covering the NBA, uh, what was that moment like for for you at the time? Uh, it was shock, completely shock. But um, at the same time, I knew that like an NBA authority in Israel, I have to start, uh, I've got, I was getting like five messages into my Facebook page in one minute. What happened? Is it real? Is it real? And the, the instinct was like, okay, this can't be real. This can't happen to Kobe. Kobe is, is superhuman. He's not supposed to fall from the sky and just die like he did. But when the the reports started to came from the local news and from Woj. We we actually knew that this is such a huge story that it transcends all sports. It's like uh, th- also the circumstances of him being with other people and with his uh, little uh, not little but with his beloved uh, girl that he was supposed to be some kind of his ancestor. Um, and I, I'll tell you the. the this night, I, I was working uh, in the global sports app, and we had workers and friends aiming for the Latin American market, the Brazilian market, the Arab world. Every single one of them, the content about Kobe has the highest engagement. You must think about Argentina, for example, the land of Messi and Maradona, not like the land of Manu and Scola. And Brazil will always be more famous by the likes of Pelé, Ronaldinho, Neymar, than Barbosa, Anderson, Barajo. But the story of Kobe toppled all of this. And I think that. The biggest uh, take of this for me was that Kobe was obviously a tremendous basketball player, one of the top 10, maybe top five, top three ever. But for me, Kobe as a human being, his personality was even a a bigger story. And that's what made it so 
huge. He didn't follow any of the conventional career paths, but instead he peaked early when being depicted as an egocentric, uncoachable, bad leader, then went to the darkest places of the person where his team is shredded because of him, then peaking again as a team first, very coachable, great leader, then went to the darkest places of the player where his team is tanking and he can no longer build around him, and then peaking for the last time as an elder statesman, a storyteller, a devoted family man. He called himself for the Black Mamba for being lethal, uh, lethal. but another tweet of the snake is the ability to shed his skin and grow a new one. And that's for me symbolizing his journey. And that's what made him such a popular figure worldwide. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I remember that too. And, uh, you know, reading Phil Jackson's books and stuff like that, like the 11 rings, yeah. he was talking about Kobe not being, um, not being coachable. And I, you know, I, I mean, I look at it, I think Kobe had the, had the, had the reputation for being arrogant, you know, when he was younger. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, as he developed and, and as he grew, um, you saw him develop into a leader and, and yeah, he pushed people at practice and yeah, he was, he was hyper competitive and, uh, wanted to be the best. But when you look at that, I mean, all the great, all the great players have that, you know, I mean, even, even the guys that he's getting in with, like, uh, Kevin Garnett, hyper competitive, you know what I mean? He's a hall of famer and he was, he was, he was great at what he did. Tim Duncan, I would say was like low key competitive. You know what I mean? I mean, you could tell by how good he was and, and how well he, he played even later into his career, um, you know, that he was able to, to carry that with him. But you know, when you when you look at the at the times, and you know, let, let's go back to the 2009 and 2010 championship winning teams. Um, mm-hmm. Even even at that time, when when you're looking at it from a coverage standpoint, you know, what was what was Kobe like for you in terms of uh, covering the NBA and looking at him and 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 trying to you know understand um, what he was all about. It was the perfect redemption, Jess. Um, it was like him learning from all his past mistakes. And like taking himself to a better place. And you're talking about 2009-2010. I think it really started showing out in the summer of 2007. When he was playing from the United States, they didn't qualify automatically for the Olympics. So they had to pass through the American qualifying tournament. And he was the guy shutting down the the other team's um, leading guard. He did it to Grievous Vasquez. He did it to Leandro Barbosa. Like he was taking these guys that weren't supposed to even be on his radar so seriously that they was were in shock. And then a later, a year later in Beijing Olympics, when he was part of a great, great team, a redemption team. And uh, I remember seeing him there. Um, you know, the in-game heroics, the pressers were great, but the strongest memory is actually from the media availability, or in his case, mostly media unavailability, so he was always surrounded by the media. A Chinese reporter literally jumped on his table, put a recording device in front of him, and asked a question of one word, dumpling. <laughs> when Kobe was a bit shocked, the Chinese reiterated <laughs> that he asked for Kobe's opinion about the traditional Chinese food. Of course, that Kobe said, delicious. You can't mess with the Chinese while they host you. But this, for me, was another symbol about Kobe knowing what the world expects of him and finally living up to this. And we almost saw it on the 2008 finals, but the Celtics were such a great team this year and the Lakers had their problems. They they haven't matured enough. But on the next two years with a reason with one or test you could see him as his most at his most beautiful he was a leader and a winner and uh, like a determined human being going all out and it was amazing amazing to see as a basketball fan and a like a fan and, and you know look at looking at this now you know kind of the the, the pinnacle for him uh, getting in getting into the the hall of fame and like i said i mean it's it's damn unfortunate that he's not here for it you know and, yeah. and 
and I know a lot of people I was seeing that on the on Twitter yesterday as well. Uh, people talking about the fact that how great it would have been just to hear his speech and, yes. and what he what he would have said. Um, when you look at when you look at the absence of having Kobe Bryant here, uh, what do you think of when you, when you when you look at not ha- like the you know like, is there an emptiness kind of in a, in a way when it comes to your your basketball life? Um, you know, with him being gone. Uh, it is an emptiness because he wasn't like only a basketball figure, as I said. He was like even winning the Oscar. This is the thing that only Kobe Bryant and maybe Shaq could did, could do. And uh, the emptiness is here. But yeah, we had like a, a season of emptiness. First, David Stern was gone, and then Kobe like 25, 25 days after that, and uh, like two people who were so dominant leave alone the basketball stuff. They're so dominant in our lives. They're in posters and in magazines and everything that happened uh, and was around them. What Kobe was saying and what Kobe, how is Kobe faring in, in comparison to this and that. Uh, so there is an emptiness. It's not like the biggest emptiness because the NBA is producing such great storylines and the Los Angeles Lakers of 2019, 2020 that were supposed to be a team on a mission just became even more a team on a mission. And LeBron James that has his own legacy suddenly started taking all LeBron's, like uh, Kobe's legacy. I remember uh, after one game, I think against the Celtics, we were interviewing in the locker room and we he talked about it was like two days before the Kobe Memorial and he had like the Kobe's jersey in his locker room and he talked about that. And you could see that Kobe's shadow uh, was hovering all over the league. And it will hover, considering uh, the fact that maybe in September we will finally have <laughs> like permit to get 300 people into uh, an area, in a, into an arena, into the hoopsol in Massachusetts. So I don't know the, the if the whole ceremony will be around him because it will be like pity from the Garnett and Duncan standpoint and the other uh, participators, Rudy Jumjanovic, which also a great story. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that mm, you will have to do like kind of different ceremony for him because so many people who are Hall of Famers themselves, like Jerry West and Paul Gasol and Shaq and uh, and um, Phil Jackson, uh, will be will have to be part of this. Maybe they will do like some kind of montage, like you know the the um, the ad that people in sports and athletes from all different sports were supposed to uh, talk about him in one word and one sentence. So maybe they will have this kind of um, tribute for him. I don't know. How do you envision it, that Jess? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think that they're going to maybe do, you know, they'll have it. I think they're going to do it all together and, and maybe do Kobe at the end. And, and I'm imagine, I mean, again, I mean, we, we don't know yet for sure, but, um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, uh, Vanessa might speak at the, uh, yeah. at, at the ceremony. I mean, I could, I could see the NBA going with that, but yeah, I definitely think they're going to have to have to do something special for him. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, yeah, you know, KG, uh, Tim Duncan, these guys, they'll, they'll get their moment, um, to, to speak as well. But I think a lot of people are going to be looking at, at Kobe and, and, and what goes on with that specifically. Uh, final one for you, Iran, when, when they do get back into, into playing, and I'm hoping, again, we, we don't know yet. And, and so, you know, I want to stress that to people who are listening. It's like, yeah, we don't know when, when things are going to get going. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, like I said, and, and, you know, I know people are getting frustrated and, and people are getting upset, but, um, you know, as I said before, this is, this is for the greater good. It's, it's beyond us, you know, the fact that, yes. um, you know, what's going on in the world. But when things do get going, what do you think of the Lakers' title chances? I know some people still think that the Clippers are, are the better and the deeper team. 
um, you know, in a, in a seven game series. And I ultimately do think it's you know, we're finally going to get a Lakers Clippers series when whenever the league does resume. But when you look at the Lakers uh, title chances, do you look at them as a prohibitive favorite or or do you think they're a little bit notch below Milwaukee? And how do you think they stack up against the Clippers? Um, let's say it like that. From the moment that Kawhi and Paul George teamed up in uh, the Clippers, I was sure that the Clippers are going to win it all. And the first time that I started to think otherwise was the weekend when the Lakers beat the Bucs and the Clippers in consecutive games. Because then you could see that the Lakers are a team on a mission and like they're starting to get their, all the pieces together and LeBron is starting to um, wheel his team to victories and Anthony Davis playing tremendously in both ends of the floor. And uh, I think that the Lakers started to come together and I don't know if they could still topple the Clippers. I think the Clippers have more versatility where we still have to see how Dion Waiters would uh, fit in because I think we, we all uh, forget that he was signed like days before all of this uh, stopped but he was supposed to give the Lakers another scoring guard another creator that maybe could be like the counter punch to Lou Williams because the all of the the checkmate a game between the Lakers and the Clippers all over the season was like the Lakers are the Clippers are doing this and the Lakers are counting with that and the Lakers are doing this and the Clippers are countering with that which was great to see from every standpoint uh, but they think that the Lakers started to come into their own and make it um, more I don't know if they're still the favorites, but they could feel the best for their chances uh, more than in any point this season. You still remember that um, they had problems beating the good teams earlier in the season. And when we asked Frank Vogel in one of the press conferences after the game, he said that the, the, the Lakers' biggest uh, problem was a lack of continuity and lack of uh, chemistry and lack of familiarity in this uh, roster in tough situations and they started to learn as the the year progressed and, they're the, and then they're beating the Celtics, they're beating the Bucks, they're beating the Clippers, they're finally feeling that they have the rotations in place, that they have the role players that they can trust, like every Bradley who had a huge game against the Clippers and they will always have some, you know, something to, to show. And uh, I think that it's, <laughs> we still don't know what will happen in the world, but I think if it's possible that the Lakers will be able to take the momentum from there, maybe even getting a week or two to get their feet wet, um, they will feel very good about themselves and uh, they will have a good chance as anybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the playoffs getting started and, and I want to see, you know, how they do. Um, and, 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 you know, especially because, I, I, like I said, I, I think it, it's going to come down to Lakers and Clippers in the West. And ultimately, yeah. I do think the, the, the Bucks are going to come out of the East. But, I mean, you know, the, they had that weekend where, where they beat the Bucks, they beat the Clippers. And I was covering both those games. I was at them. And, and you can tell they, they, they raised their level to play against those teams. So it, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, a dogfight when, whenever it does get back. Uh, and, and we are looking forward to it. Uh, Iran, thanks so much for taking the time out to, to hop on the podcast today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jess, for having me, and uh, stay safe, man. Yeah, you, you too, man. I know it's a, it's a crazy. So uh, you know what, uh, and, and I know you know we're, we're worlds apart technically, but you know what, we're all kind of in this uh, in this fight together. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Have all right, that's uh, yeah, that's around Soroka. You can follow him on Twitter as well at s o r o k m a n. Uh, don't forget to follow us as well. We are at Lakers SBN and subscribe to the podcast network. Give us a five-star rating. We always appreciate that. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but uh, we are on <laughs> iTunes. Uh, we are on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And of course, check out Silver Screen and Roll 
Lakers.com for all your Lakers needs. I uh, hope you all are staying safe out there. Uh, Going to have to go through this for at least, you know, looking like at least another month or two. But, uh, you know, we got you covered with as much content as we can give. That does it for this episode. I'll catch up with you all next time.